Every single morning, my mother goes for a walk. Rain or shine, sleet or snow, she's out there. And almost every day, my mother walks by this certain street, and there is this very friendly woman named Judy who would come out, rushing out of her front door and down the front steps with a very raspy voice. She would say, how you doing today? Always exuberant, ready to greet the first passerby, a true extrovert. Susan, I hope you're going to have a great day, she would say, and her hands would just be all over the place. My mother was always looking forward to her visit as Judy would rush down the stairs every single morning. And then one day, she wasn't there. And the next day, and the next day, a few weeks passed. My mom saw Judy's husband. He was heading towards their car in the driveway, and she said, hey, is Judy okay? I, I've missed her morning greetings. She died, her husband said. We were at a restaurant celebrating, and she had steak, and she choked and no one could dislodge the, the peace in her throat. And by the time we got to the hospital, she was gone. Oh, my God, my mom said. I'm so, so sorry. When does the end occur? Today is called Christ the King Sunday, and it's the last Sunday of the Christian year. And today we always remember the end. But when is the end? Quantum physicists tell us that time is just a perception. We have these watches, and we calculate what time it is, but we've created the construct to give our lives order. Time, you could say, is the fourth dimension, but God exists beyond all dimensions where there is no time. Physicists tell us that all we really have is the present moment. That's all that really exists for us. We pretend we can plan the future, but we have no idea what's going to happen. It's out of our control. So when is the end? Is it right now? When talking about things that are beyond human comprehension, Jesus always used imagery, metaphor, parable. 
Today he talks about a king who separates what he calls the goats from the sheep at the end of time. Well, Americans, we would say goats and sheep. I don't get it. But in Jesus' day, everyone would have understood that analogy. You see, shepherds always mixed the goat and the sheep in their pastures in the Galilee. But at night, a good shepherd would always separate the sheep from the goats. Because the sheep were very passive and peaceful creatures, and the goats were more aggressive, more obnoxious. They would torture the sheep and bully them and bother them and the sheep wouldn't sleep and they'd bleed and everything was a mess and nobody slept. So the shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats not to punish but in order to protect the sheep. So Jesus is saying that somehow at the end of things, there will be a separation. And what is the criteria for this separation? Well, according to this parable, it is not what you profess to believe. It is how you treat others. Our salvation is dependent upon our relationship with other people. How we interact with them, how we see them, how we love them. That is how the separation is determined. The choice is made. Back in the Netherlands in 1933, a man named Casper Tenboom owned a watch shop. He repaired watches and clocks, and his father had owned the shop before him and his father's father before him. He had a daughter named Cory Tenboom. In 1933, they were operating their watch and clock shop when an old man came shuffling in, and he looked kind of worn out, like a homeless person, so Corey went to go get some soup, thinking he might be hungry. He said, my name is Christoffel, and I am considering permanent employment. Well, at first they laughed, but then he said, I am an itinerant clock repairer. Well, sure enough, this old man with the worn out clothes had spent his whole life traveling from town to town in the Netherlands repairing Dutch clocks. And he was brilliant, so good at the little intricacies and details. Once Casper realized what a genius he was, he hired him on the spot. And Christoffel worked at the little clock shop for many years. They paid him well, but he never did dress any better. 
1939, a young man came into the shop, a German young man by the name of Otto. He also wanted a job, and he was very disciplined and meticulous and very bright, so Casper hired him as well. They invited him to coffee and to their morning prayers. He came only once, though, because he claimed he was an atheist. He talked a lot about the glory of Germany and the German people, and he would speak in a derogatory way about the Jews, and it concerned Casper. Also, once Otto started working at the clock shop, Christoffel started appearing with bruises on his arms, sometimes a scratch on his cheek. They would ask him what happened, and he said he fell or he bumped into something. This went on for a while. Otto was very disciplined, but a little scary. And then one day, one morning at nine o'clock in the morning, Christoffel stumbled into the clock shop and he had a huge gash across his cheek and it was bleeding. What happened, they said. Oh, nothing, I fell, Christoffel said again. They heard a lot of ruckus outside. Casper and his daughter went outside and the villagers had surrounded Otto. They said to him, we saw you. We saw how you, you treated that man, how you dragged that old man around a corner and hit his head against the brick wall. We saw it. Otto seemed indignant and full of contempt. And Casper, the old owner of that shop, for the first time in his long life, fired a person. He said, Otto, you have hurt a child of God and you have looked upon him with contempt and you are no longer welcome in my shop. Casper and Corey Tenboom would end up housing Jews in a secret hiding place. They would end up heroes by the end of the war. And Otto, I assume he was killed somewhere in that war. When does the end begin? I believe that it began for Otto the moment he started looking at another human being with prejudice and contempt. Because at that moment he began to separate his soul from God. You know, Jesus always said this word again and again throughout his ministry. He said, repent, repent. The word in the ancient Greek is metanoia. Metanoia is the opposite of paranoia. Paranoia is when we turn into ourselves in fear. Metanoia is when we turn out of ourselves towards another person. I think what Jesus is trying to tell us is that 
every moment. We have a choice. We can become self-absorbed or we can turn outwards and treat other people as if they are Christ himself. And every time we make that choice, we move towards God or away from God. How do you see others? How do you treat them? What is the choice that you make? I think when it comes to contemplating the end of things, we need to simplify our minds and to admit that we will never know the when or the how. It is beyond human comprehension. All that we have is this moment and the choice that lies before us and the person who stands in front of us and how we treat that person. I believe that my mother's neighbor, Judy, when she unexpectedly died, she must have rushed down her front porch and said, hello, Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm sure he said, hello, Judy, welcome home. 